Drop into a branch of Bigby Travel today and pick up the new brochure for your favourite archive television podcast holiday in the new year. Remember, only Pigby Travel lists the sweariest podcasts, like the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour all-inclusive luxury resort. Bars and off-licences are open 24-7. Only Peggy Mount Pod offers profanity you haven't heard or used since you were in school. Only Pigby Travel records all the booze they'll be drinking during the broadcast. And only Pigby Travel points out all the mistakes they'll make on air as a result. Pigby Travel is your key to the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour all-inclusive luxury resort this new year. Open from 9am on January the 1st. Must telephone to book in advance. Number available by Ritek. Phone for address. The old broadcast be forgot. Tonight's work because it's late. Absolutely hellish. Get the drinks in your master. Here we go. Here we go. And first of all, Here's these words that I fucking dread. And here's your host, Les Dennis. Les Dennis, looking about eight. And in two suits. <laughs> I think somebody should have been stood at the front of the audience, and if anybody was clapping out of time, a hose <laughs> with pig shit. A hose with pig shit <laughs> would be fired at them to encourage them to clap in time. No, you see, no what I would do, it should be a cattle prod. Oh, Mark, you shouldn't have come. And he's like, let me in, woman. I've come to get you back. And she's like, will I fuck? Hello and welcome to this, the annual Hogmanay special of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And I'm Ozzy Bognops, claiming squatter's rights in the understairs cupboard. (laughs) And we're here to talk about the trappings and the trials of some tartan-tainted television. Yes, hello you, and thanks for joining us for this casual cultural critique of New Year's television, where Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from our minds, because here, all hoots turn up at your nanny with a lump of coal pissed. If you go over to PeggyMountPod.com, info and links for the episodes we're discussing in the show notes, you can find us on the socials, get in touch, say hello, or suggest programmes you'd like us to cover in the new year, basically in about an hour's time. So, as usual, we'll be counting down to the new year here at Mount Peg Towers. And, as usual, you, listener, yes, you... You can join in where you are. That's right. Our future scrying assistant automaton, Arse, has looked into the future, back-calculated the length of the show from that, and can tell you when you need to start it. So, Arse, if the lovely listeners want to join us for a midnight dram on New Year's Eve, what time would they need to hit play on this episode? One moment. I'm calculating the bastard now. You'd need to start this podcast from the beginning at 10.49pm and 4 seconds. So let me get this clear. In order to count down to midnight with the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour, I'd need to start this podcast from the very beginning at what time? That's 22.49 and 4 seconds. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that's all clear. Right, back to business. Actually, before we say that, I do miss the bagpipes. Anyway, let's crack on. And before we turn up at the site of a murder we committed ten years previously, my resolution scribbling chums, I've got to ask, what are we drinking? Well, I have to say that after my cocktail extravaganza over Christmas, Mm -hmm. I've decided to keep it simple. I'm sick of slavering on. And plus, 
it has been brought to my notice that Lump is not doing the washing up. So, anyway, I'm keeping it simple with some Talisker malt whiskey, gentlemen. Splendid Oof. job. Crivens, James, and help the bob. Exactly that. Neat with two cubes of ice. Some say that that's a sin, in particular, Neil Tennant, but fuck them. <laughs> this is glorious. Fine. Can you hear me, Talisker? Can you hear me, the Talisker people? Hashtag free samples. <laughs> what about yourself, Aussie Bognops? Port. Standard. Standard. <laughs> and it's not even Scottish port, and uh, basically my give a fuckometer is on zero. There you are. Well, tonight I'm going to party like it's 1989 as I enjoy four cans of Stone's Bitter. Splendid. Hurrah. There we have it. Fuck me. Stone's bitter. Yep. I didn't think they still made that. I'm a gog. <laughs> Quite frankly, I'm a gog. I have to say, I've just noticed on the back of my bottle of Nailers Reserve Port, it says, please store this bottle upright. Store it! Store it! <laughs> Before we move on to our first televisual outing, gentlemen, let me just ask you to consider the following. Dynasty. Dallas. Falcon Crest. Knott's Landing, arguably the big hitters in the world of international serial drama of the 1980s. But where's the last member of this famous five? Quite obviously. It's north of the border. And Jings, it's gritty. Hoots! Take the High Road was Scottish television's daytime soap opera which ran from 1980 to 2003, over 1,500 episodes. For the first 13 years of its existence, it was broadcast on ITV regional stations across the UK until moving north of the border for its final decade. The action centres around the village of Glendarroch, where the running of the local country estate often clashes with rural village life, and the characters with large personality speak with quiet assurance. As you'd expect, all of the big social issues of the day have tackled at one point or another in the way only soap operas can, and there's always something there to keep you coming back for tomorrow's visit. And because it's New Year's Eve, we've crossed the border ourselves, again, to go back and watch episode 54, written by Peter May, directed by Peter Barber Fleming. This originally aired on the 31st of December 1980, and if there's one thing that Scotland is great at, it's Hogmanay. And if there's one thing we expect from a soap opera approaching the very end of its first year, it's a party. So let's reach for the scotch and mack our muckles. However, there's a small problem with that. Um, What's that? Well, apart from anything else, this is essentially, or at this point in its huge life, I had no idea it ran until 2003, but this is, at this point, it is take the singing shortbread tin perception of rural Scotland. Take that yes, it is. and piss on it. Hot burny piss made of debt. To give you an example of the clarity of this piece, the blooper reel for the entire series lasts two minutes. Yes, I watched that. Indeed. Yes. And yep. to take into account that it is essentially Hootsman Crossroads, it's kind of... <laughs> yeah, it is. It is just... It, 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 it hasn't even got the stereotypical characters in it yet. You've, it, it's trying to be like Falcon Crest. Hootsman Falcon Crest. It's just... Well, 
Well, oh yes, this is very true, but I will say this. If you were a horse, you'd win the Grand National every year because you've hit the finish before we've started. <laughs> right. Is he slagging off my favourite programme? Let's start with this theme tune. No, I thought it was the Who who did this. Ah, Rick Wakeman. Rick. <laughs> it is definitely well, the prog rock edit. You see... It's out there. I it's knew a, I'm it. used to the electric guitar. I'm, in fact, hang on, Ken, I'm used to this. And we don't get that. Whereas I am used to a slightly earlier incarnation, which is for orchestra, which sounds thus. Arthur Blake actually was commissioned to write something that sounds like a traditional Scottish song. So I think he basically got 10 cans of tenants extra and a pad of manuscript uh, and went out into the, into the fields for a week. And this is what he came back with. And it got so many incarnations. Basically, it was like Frank Sinatra's farewell gigs. There were so fucking many of them. But you know it. That's the thing. You know it. The obvious question to you both. Um, did you have you seen this before? Have you watched this before? I avoided this like the plague. It felt like the Sullivans with shortbread when yep, I was younger. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. Now I'm going yep. to to set the cat amongst the proverbials at this point because um, I was much more conscious of it for the plain and simple reason that I remember this being on in what I call the gems slot. Sort of half, yes. you know, quarter past three to quarter to four. I'd just come <laughs> in from school uh -huh. and I saw the last mm -hmm. 15 minutes of it. And it right. was the same. Every single episode looked absolutely yes, yes. Oh, identical. I'm, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I was aware of it. I just was not remotely interested. It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I've come to it now and, yeah, we'll, we'll get on to it, but I love this. Well, it takes me back to afternoons at my grandma's. Mm -hmm. She loved it, and right. you can see why. You yeah, see yeah. The, the, the whole the whole feel of it. Yep. And and I remember particularly one afternoon that I stayed at my grandma's. I, I I'll never forget this as long as I live. Um, she was there, and I can't remember why, but she had to take her teeth out, and she put her teeth out in a glass of water, and she left them there for half an hour, and we went back. The water had gone. The teeth had drank the water. Anyway, that's <laughs> I, I go off on a tangent, but the, the teeth. The teeth had drank the water. I swear to God. Anyway, um, we couldn't. We still to this day we couldn't explain. It. But um, but it just reminds us of that. This is this is a beautiful hug. This this program is a beautiful hug. Frig all happens, but it's a beautiful hug. Frig all happens, and it's depressing as fuck. It's brown and it's claustrophobic. This is 1980, and I know that if anyone walked onto that set wearing a neon sock, Mrs. Lachlan would catch fire. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, to be fair, to be fair, her house is 1946. Well, well this is no, it. No, her house is Jet Set Willy 2. <laughs> yes. 
I yes. expect there yes. to be a room out of the adventure game with the fucking vortex. I have never known a place have so many doors that go into something that looks four times the size of the room you've just been in. It's right. like it might even be yeah. like a certain time machine. <laughs> however, however, they are very um, they use the set uh, to its full advantage because they keep the microphones in the teapot. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. I'm like a crack record on this, but yes, the entire show recorded on one microphone. It's yeah. STV, so it's almost to be expected, but really. I'll tell you now, that scene where we're in we're in the little dining room thing of uh, Mrs. McLaughlin's house, mm-hmm. and uh-huh. we, Mark turns up at the door, and uh-huh. then you've, he's talking to Alice. The dialogue yeah. is so difficult to hear. They may as well be in a lead cabinet in Eckelfecken, because well, that's, I can't... That's deliberate at that point, though. It's meant to sound like... You know, it's just out of here showing, you know, oh, what, what, what's this intrigue? What's going on here? I, I can hear a sort of a murmured, oh, you, oh, you should not be here, you shouldn't look at... This is literally her accent. I'm, <laughs> I'm, this? I'm not taking the piss. She's, I don't know where she's from, but she's got the worst Scottish accent I've ever heard. Oh, Mark, you shouldn't have come. And he's like, let me in, woman. I've come to get you back. And she's like, will I fuck? <laughs> You mentioned, Doctor, you mentioned the dialogue and, you know, uh-huh. but when actually you can hear it and it is discernible and decipherable, uh-huh. do we, does the team think that the dialogue is very good written down, but it's not speakable dialogue? Because everything sounds well, like a perfectly formed sentence which wouldn't get a red pen through it in English. Yeah. There is that. Yeah. Um, I, to be fair, I missed a little bit of it because uh, it took Mark that long to walk from the front door into the living room. I fell asleep. Indeed. <laughs> well, he um, had to walk through the 1429-acre rooms to get there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, All that's happened is Mark has just come in with a delicious fawn sports jacket. It is absolutely <laughs> yes. gorgeous. To, the, it really is. Just yeah. to embellish his own colour scheme that's so neutral that you can't see him if he stops moving. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly he right. He actually looks like the set for the BBC election the year before. Yep. <laughs> um, if he hadn't mentioned the fact that Mrs uh, Lachlan has a very nice croft, I wouldn't know that he was talking. But, uh, but yeah. mind, Alice's penny, Alice's penny oh, yeah. is absolutely exquisite. Yeah. Yep, fair play, fair play. However, the one there was a noise that I couldn't put my and I thought it was the mics and I thought it was the beard and I thought it was the jacket. Do you know what it was? It was my fucking beard growing, because the pace <laughs> is glacial. I could actually I was watching the grass, I was watching the plants in the window box grow during the scene. Oh, he's harsh. He's harsh. But he might be, but he's not wrong. We are rescued, however, because we cut to the castle. No, we oh, yeah, cut to an establishing shot of the castle. <laughs> and this is how they do it. And it is, I mean, if they could have done the Thames Television Benny Hill show piss take of massive close-up of photograph, they would have done that. Like yeah. like the sort of, yeah. the, like the, the Pennywise, the pound stretcher version of Dallas. I thought it was the lid of a box of toffees. <laughs> um, I, I yeah. really did. But anyway, we cut to that, and we get to, ooh, the very important Mrs Cunningham oh, with a yes. cardigan over her shoulders. Oh. Uh-huh. She'll, she'll feel the benefit oh. of that, no doubt. Absolutely no it, doubt. 
It literally took me until... Well, it, it didn't take us this long, if I'm honest. I was being generous. But three minutes and 28 seconds to realise that this is Acorn Antiques. Never mind your crossroads. Yeah. This is absolutely it. I think there's, yeah. a, absolutely. I think there's a hefty... And do you know what really got me is? If you look at every interior, and fuck me, there's a lot of interiors to get through, clearly <laughs> yep. these people have the skin of whales because there is no radiator in any single set. No. No, there isn't. And yet, that's why she's wearing the, the cashmere cardi thing, the Gansey. It's because, you know, her shoulders are actually... She's getting hypothermia, and it's not just from the, the... It's not just from the pace of the acting, you know, which is glacial enough. But for me, the thing that struck me in this scene is a man is going back to Brazil. Now, today... Brazil is one thing, but in 1980, uh -huh. he might as well have been going to fucking Alpha Centauri. This is what yeah. I've got. Mind. It's like Alan comes in and he's like, he hands in his notice, effective immediately. He's like, I'm going to be with yep. my wife in Brazil. And I'm like, the last 52 episodes of this must have been fucking wild. I am picturing <laughs> the Mardi Gras scenes from Live and Let Die. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Elizabeth's like, the fuck you will. You step out of that door, you'll be dead before your key gets in the ignition. Uh -huh. She's basically the Audrey Forbes Hamilton of this programme. Yeah. And there's hundreds of hours of outtakes where she's just ad-libbing swearing into his scene. With the yeah, I'd like to think that. This. Which started out as being Muttley's and then it became actually proper Scottish swear words because let's face it, north of the border, <laughs> they have more than any of us southern English Jessies and Sassanacs. You're have. absolutely right. I, I loved how it was played out. When do you think you might go to Brazil? Him. Now? Yes. What? <laughs> At which point, a jetpack drops down from the lightning rig. Yes. And he, and he just puts it on, ta and blasts out of the roof. You see, you saw the jetpack. What does he mean For me, now? I was thinking about it was going to be like rent a ghost. He was going to nip his nose, and all of a sudden, <laughs> whatever the hell that was. So that's the other thing. We had Mark in the last one, and Alan in this uh -huh. scene, and I'm like... Have any of the men in this program actually got Scottish accents? Yeah, I was nope. just about to say that. There's, you know, it's about now, as, it's about a Scottish remember, as fucking Diana Durbin. <laughs> now I remember when Monica the Glen aired, and people were like, actually, the higher someone's social standards in the Highlands, the more chance there was of them being sent to England to be educated. Therefore, yeah. most of the nobility there sounds English, right? Yeah. Now, is that what this is, or were there just no Scottish actors available in Scotland in 1980? Well, they wouldn't touch it. One of the major problems, if you watch the very, very early days of Scottish television, before um, they went colour, if you watch it, two-thirds of the people hosting and presenting and producing were Canadian, because Roy Thompson, Lord Thompson of Fleet, who actually owned the station and came up with the famous line, television is a licence to print money. <laughs> Not much fucking evidence of it here, pal. Um, the thing is... You know, he populated the entire station with English people, Canadian people, very few Scots. And the Scots he did have were like Jimmy Logan, Stanley Baxter, um, Fife Robertson, you know, all these people who were stereotypically Scottish. Mm -hmm. You know, James Robertson Justice, because he had a beard. You know, that's what? <laughs> he had a beard that looked vaguely Scottish. Oh, we'll have him. If you watch, if, yeah. and I urge you to do it, if you watch the first night of Scottish television, which I think is on YouTube, you know, it's about three quarters of an hour in before you get a Scottish accent. I mean, even okay. Jimmy Nairn is trying his best to be terribly BBC, 
and it right. doesn't work. So that carried on right through. I mean, Scottish television ha- hit the skids so many times. The franchise rounds came and went, and everybody bid, saying, you know, the programmes can never be as bad as they currently are. And yet they were the battlers that kept going and are still with us today. The only ITV region that still exists in its original form. And long may it rain. Anyway, back in the croft. We're back in the croft now. And the sound effect of a baby, which you could have... I mean, it's metrical precision in the script that all of a sudden well, yeah. the baby gets pushed up and, oh, fuck, it's a baby. Right yeah, on it. cue. Like we find out there's a baby in the room next door behind a closed door. <laughs> yes. Um, right. <laughs> Dougal walks in in this, like, green check flannel suit and his fawn sweater. Instantly disappointed. himself, isn't he? He's instantly disappointed that he's no longer the blandest character in the entire village. Um, yes. His accent's Scottish. That's why he, he gets subtitles. Uh, but, yeah, but how, yeah. How, is, how is there a baby in the next room that they're just, like, remembered? Oh, that'll be the baby. I'd better go and make it sleep. And that's it. <laughs> Alice is off. She does... Actually, to be fair, Mrs. Um, Mrs. Lachlan... Her facial expression is as though she's put a forbidden pickled egg in her mouth and she's trying to hide that fact. <laughs> Indeed, that is for the entire true. episode, she has one facial <laughs> expression and that's it. Bear in mind, I'm just coming in at this point. Where is this baby from? Is it? This is Alice's baby, isn't it? I'm assuming so, yep. yes. Is this Alice's baby with Dougal? It's it not Mark's old baby, is it? No, it won't be Because Mark's baby. come back. Mark's come back to try and get his lass back. And she's... Surely the minute that baby cries, Mark's just like, ah, right, OK, fuck it, I'll let myself out. And then, and then when we get back to the castle coming up, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden, oh. we're in to the manor born. I'll tell you where we are. We're in Denver, Carrington, because <laughs> this is the Alexis <laughs> and Crystal of the oh. Scottish borders. Yeah. That's what this is. Without Mrs. Cunningham hell on. and Mrs. Steedman. There is. There is. And, and can I just say this? Because I am going to use this in every single argument that I have from this day on. Go on. You can't. The scheme has executive backing from Frankfurt. I'm going to use that, no matter what the context. <laughs> this is the thing, mind. There's something going on here that's all to do with like planning applications and tax avoidance, and I'm like, this is basically the Phantom Menace all over again. Amazing! <laughs> Those outside broadcast establishing shots are extraordinary. They last like two and a half seconds, and that's probably the entire reel of film. That's all that yes. was usable. Yep. But... <laughs> By complete contrast, it was something, uh, for all I took the piss out of it, talking about singing shortbread tins and Scottish television and all the rest of it, licence to print money on the cheap, etc., etc., stereotypical Scottish um, thrift. The warmth of the camera colours and the designs makes it kind of engaging in a strange sort of (laughs) middle-class way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. For a housewife who had a Hitachi in the kitchen, this was prime viewing. Of course it was. Of course it was. This is the. I, I mean, they cancelled this show, you know, at one point, and there was an absolute uprising, so they mm-hmm. brought it back. And let's face it, in Scotland in those days, an uprising amounted to at least four letters. So we're back at the Croft, and I wish this was shortbread, because at least there'd be something to fucking eat. <laughs> We've got Mrs. Lachlan <laughs> and Alice and Mark and Dougal. They're sitting around this table that's too small. Yep. And they are eating a meal which looks so fucking grim they would not be allowed to serve that in a prison. That's right. You've been to Scotland. Every clatter of that cutlery on the fucking crockery 
Yeah. And I'm just wanting to put my fist through the laptop. This is unbearable. <laughs> Even Mrs. Lackman yeah. gets pissed off and goes for a lie down in the room that's got the abandoned baby in it. But Blackout, yes. you have to also consider the fact that there's every chance that they've done the one rehearsal they got for this without real food. And then, yeah, I'm looking in my notes. It's at that point that Alice's new fella, Bob, turns up. Oh, yeah. Dramatic moment. Cut to this ad break without him saying a word. He does look like he's probably going to murder Mark. So that's, you know, that's fair. That would be he, does. The, he does, bit of drama. Well, that would be the second murder in Glendarrick at the minute, if it was. Yes. Mind you, we're, we're at the halfway point. I'm a bit disconcerted that no-one's mentioned the Hogbenet party so far through this episode. It feels a bit odd, doesn't it? See, it does to me as well, but I think they're saving that for the end. I think okay, that's, yeah, it's, it's, there's still time, yeah, there's yeah, still time. Yeah, there's yeah still absolutely. Time. There's 12 minutes yet, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we come in from the commercial break, this roller sting, and did you get? Did you catch the drum? Yeah. The, the little drum roll at the beginning. I just love that. I just love that. It's warm, it's lovely, it says hi. And we're, and we're back in some room with some people yep. who are interrupted by some woman. Precisely this. It turns out this is like the office in the manor house. But yeah. there's no establishing shot for this. So Nothing. I have no fucking idea where we were. You'd kind of assume it's the business end. There's just people milling around. Uh, Archie, comedy character, he's there talking with someone who looks like an estate agent who's trying to break his way into presenting game shows. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. She stood there and looking like, boo, she's a football stadium full of laughs, isn't she? Right. Oh, she's, she's, she's see, absolutely She was, she was superseded by the infamous Mrs. Mack, who was in later series, who was really, I mean, you know, she was completely Dagenham Heathway, you know, two stops after barking. She was absolutely nuts. <laughs> there, there, there was a storyline, in fact, where she played her own sister. Oh, really? <laughs> You know what I need at this point? There we are. Please tell me they did it with blue screen like Captain Mannerin. Well, apparently not. It was it was separate shots because um, they couldn't afford that much blue paint. There was a there was a yeah yeah there was a scene where they were on a jetty at some point. That's all I know. But right. there we are. Okay. Anyway, back at the Croft, and Alan leaves. And can I just point out he leaves in a huff? We've got it all sorted out. <laughs> uh, but Alan's car must have been parked in the hall, judging by the speed at which he gets in and drives off. Well, that's because that's because Bob, Alice's new fella, has turned up, and he's basically got a taser, a roll right. of bin bags, some gaffer tape, and a pack of hungry pigs that he wants to show Mark. Yeah, and he's like, absolutely. I imagine you'll be fucking off now, then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, indeed. You and your weird jacket. Mrs. Lackland comes out of that room. There's still no sign of an actual baby. <laughs> no, no, there isn't. You're right in that Mrs. Lackland comes back in because she was in the bedroom for a lie down. Lies. Yep. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll bet my knickers she was listening at the door. Yeah, of course she was. Yeah. I'll have to turn the sound effects record down. And then we leave all the drama that's going on in the croft for a wonderful crossover. Cut oh, yeah. to an exterior shot and a, and a guest appearance by Columbo, played by Charlie Drake, with the voice of Gordon Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is Brian Blair, the child murderer. He has the look yeah. of a spring, a sprung murderer, but he has the voice of a village pastor, although I think yours is far better than mine, Doctor. <laughs> now, what I like is we know that he's a murderer, because he's been on screen for less than a minute and we know he's killed a girl in a prefabricated garage a decade ago. That's right. Everyone he meets gets this, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know why? It's the Dun & Co court. That's what it is. 
Igor. So Archie, who, like I say, is meant to be this kind of light comedy character. He's I the Benny, isn't he's, he? He, he is, is somehow yeah. implicated as fucking this murder, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. You know he's going to go out for a screwdriver in the, in a future episode and then vanish. <laughs> On a serious note, I do like how we're over 50 episodes into this soap opera. All of the characters are gently named as we go so that new viewers who are just coming to it now, they know who folk are straight away. Now, I've it's- made a note about that. Blackout. Mine says, mm-hmm. I feel like I've walked in on 784 subplots and not a scrap of coherence. It's appearing to try and be three different shows. A sort but that's of, what soap operas do. Yeah, that's nice. But, yeah, that's, they do. but, but they don't yeah. just have the three defined levels like semi-funny, not funny at all, shit, this is the drama. It's usually a few more than that. Your typical um, plot structure for your soap opera is... A, A line, B line, C line. But I'm thinking back to when we covered Neighbours, and that was the very first episode. And again, we were just like bang in the middle of the storylines. Yeah. Because yeah. within the universe of Neighbours, that had already been going on. You know, it's not like everyone's turning up. But do they expect you to go back the fucking start? That's my question. Yes, yes they do. And and that should happen. So should, should I basically see Dr. Leg trying to save somebody and uh, if I want to watch yep. EastEnders? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Don't even think about watching it until you've started from the beginning. Oh, that's, that's the way it is. Well, do you know what? <laughs> I have two words for that gentleman, particularly at this what? late stage of the day. Fuck that. There you are. <laughs> Absolutely no commitment from your generation. Not that's what your problem is. Iota. Not By the way, when we, when, we, when, we leave, when we leave this little uh, exchange <clears throat> between uh, Archie and uh, Columbo, um, we, go, we go back to the castle... Is that James McAvoy with Fiona? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, basically, Fiona's there, and Fiona's crying because everyone thinks she's an arsehole. Now, I know this because the first time I met Fiona was five minutes ago, and I think she's an arsehole. Then then Jimmy comes in, and yes, he appears to be an actor who came out of the matter transporter when James McAvoy and Chris Addison went into the other end. Chris Addison as well. Yeah, absolutely that. It is incredible. Yes, it is. You see, you're getting too modern for me now. Uh, (laughs) And then we get to Maggie Ferguson, the poisonous village gossip. Every (laughs) village had one, and Maggie Ferguson is clearly just trying to grasp any little, with her poisonous little vinegary talons, she wants every last scrap of gossip because knowledge is power. And basically, then she takes over the fucking world, and she joins with her sister Sheila and forms Three Degrees. Boom. When will we see her again? Well, there'll be no fucking precious moments if you do. Hard. <laughs> but Mrs. Stephen puts them in her place, right? Yeah, when she fair comes booted into news, the. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, she be, and then she goes through to see Mrs. Cunningham. And can I just point out at this moment, Mrs. <sighs> Cunningham has got a cravat on. Yep. And that's my notes. I, yes, and I'm, I'm telling you now that Margaret Chalmers, who is the wardrobe person for this programme, has played an absolute blind here. <laughs> <in> that cravat. <laughs> All I've got here. Elizabeth is wearing a cravat, and there's fucking hell on. Cliffhanger, drumroll, the end. Cliffhanger, drumroll, credits at the fucking speed of light, (laughs) accompanied by, essentially, um, the predecessor of drones, which was affectionately known as Heli Telly. But it was appearing to me that there was basically some local lad from accounts who was hanging out the window with a 16mm camera. So, yeah, so, you know, they sure know how to celebrate the new year up in Scotland, don't they? 
All the, rem- all the we were missing here was Russ Abbott in a ginger wig. It really got quite emotional at one point. Russ Abbott in a ginger yeah. wig and Lena Zavaroni. Yep. Mind you, whatever you say, and there is plenty to discuss in this situation, the end cap says it all. STV production from Scotland. Just in case you didn't fucking know. <laughs> so I think we've taken the high road, and I think we're at the end of it. Mr. Ozzy Bognops, how many Scotch McPegs would you put on the line? Well, I can see why they made it. I can see how they made it. But the pace is ironically a tad quick, even if the dialogue and the over uh, and the camera work isn't. Four out of nine. <sighs> dear, oh dear. Dr. Velvet. Dr. Velvet, save the day. As previously mentioned, this is cosy afternoons at my grandma's house, eating shortbread biscuits and drinking gallons of tea with the heating on and the rain lashing outside. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's also a shambles, but it is rescued by hanging onto and digging its nails into a naive televisual charm. Eight, because for two pins, I'd hire a cottage in Glencoe for a month and I'd binge watch the whack while snorting whiskey from a tartan tabard. Eight. Heaven. You see, you can, can you can be controversial and yet you can subvert a man's mind. Uh, I am not going to upgrade my score because of this particular episode, but I'm with you in the binge watch. <sighs> there you go. Mr Blackout. Well, like I said back when we covered Neighbours, a good soap opera is a place where you can visit for the first time, any time, and feel instantly familiar. I am sold. Now, there's not a complete DVD release of this, but they are on the YouTubes. I've already sent the artwork to my tattoo guy for the Take the High Road sleeve. He'll be doing me over the coming year. Nine out of nine. <laughs> nine? Nine. Yep. Nine. Chuffing yep. Nora. This doesn't come as a surprise to me with him for this. I yep. absolutely, absolutely adore this. It is yep. glorious. The question on every single resident that lives in Glendarek's lips is Mr. Ozzy Bognops. How many steps will it take you to take the high road? I am being terribly unscottish, which given that I have an element of Scott in me, which given that I have an element of Scott in me... Um, I thought you were sitting funny. Oh, <laughs> um, I will give this to you... Because there's an element of Scotch in him. <laughs> oh, there's... No, no, no. no. Yes. Scotch? Yes. That's later. For <laughs> Sorry. Now, Sorry. I'm giving you this in four... Take the High Road stars Marjorie Thompson, whose debut was in 1950's The Gorble Story, opposite Archie Duncan, who cropped up in an episode of The Adventures of Black Beauty alongside Judy Bowker, who appeared in the 1985 retelling of Anna Karenina next to Paul Jeffrey, who was in the Sins of a Mission episode of Casualty with... Peggy Mount. Now tell them what else you've done. Lovely. Nice. Lovely. Lovely. Proper stoic Highland journey there. Mr. Mm, Blackout, give us a a chance. Well, I think I'm going to have to do it in three. (laughs) 
Take the High Road stars Caroline Ashley, whose only claim to fame outside of Glendarroch was a string of appearances in Win, Lose or Draw under the auspices of Danny Baker, who managed to score a ticket to an audience with Mel Brooks in 1983, as did Leslie Crowther, who put in a turn in 1972's All-Star Comedy Carnival with Peggy Mount. And very stupidly forgot to put the stopper in. Sterling work, sir. Sterling work. Sterling work. Ow, me fucking head. Sorry, I just banged my head on the microphone there. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Dr. Velvet, how many steps would it take you up the high road to get to the top of the mountain? I've got long legs, I'll do it in two. Ooh. Take the High Road stars Edith MacArthur, who also appeared in the 1999 adaptation of The Scarlet Pimpernel, alongside Martin Shaw, who starred in Spice Island Farewell, with, of course... Peggy Mount. No, you can bring my grilled kipper over there. That's the way to do it. Textbook. Beautiful. A thing of great joy. Thank you. Splendid work, gentlemen. And while we take a breather to partake of a wee dram before the next programme, let us peruse the Hogmanay things as we're taken there by some traditional Scottish sounds. You wanna give a little cringe when you bite your way in to a Cadbury's dairy meal. Put a chunk in your cheek, cause life is so, so sweet with a Cadbury's dairy meal. It takes a glass and a half of milk to make every half pound of dairy milk chocolate taste so good and creamy. And now there are big chunks in every bar. The feel only kiss just above your chin. Bring out the hunk of happiness in my brain. Cause there's a, a little smile in every big chunk of Cadbury's dairy It's very odd. I don't even know your name, but after this one Camparian soda, I feel I almost know you. May I freshen your glass? Uh, soda, of course. No, lemonade. Camparian lemonade. Yeah, nice colour, isn't it? Campari, with soda, with lemonade, with tonic, but always with pleasure. Were you truly wafted here from paradise? No, look near Paul. it's nice to approach the new year looking at the things. I like it. I really do like it. And speaking of things, may I inquire as to what you two received under your tree from Santa Claus this Christmas, gentlemen? I'd like to know. Oh, yeah. Pardon me for being nosy, but... uh, Being nosy. If you can't now, you never will be. All right, then. Tell us, Bognops, what did you get from Santa Claus? Well, I feel very honoured, humbled and abased because I received an Angela Rippon school maths set. Nice. and Excellent. I mean, it's maths, but... Well, but, you know, it has a stencil in it, which only has A-N-G-L-E-R-I-P-O-N. <laughs> That's all it has, so all you can ever spell right. is her name. 
Um, it has a compass, right. which has a leg rather than a point, because you can't actually, because that's all you ever was famous for, was showing a legs. And the thing is, if you throw it, it hurts. But anyway, I'm happy with it. It sounds delightful. Oh, Does, Is that going to encourage you to do your sums? Well, it's going to encourage me to try my accounts. There's always a first time. <laughs> no, I mean, I love it. How about you, Doctor? Well, I received something that I've been after for so long. Now, regards, chaps, at this. Let me just, uh... What the hell's that? Nice. This is my Blake 7 Liberator playset with accompanying action figures. I'm not messing about here. That is high-class Christmas. There weren't many of these made, right? So I've been very, very lucky. I'm particularly pleased, as you'll notice, with this figure of Blake's arch-enemy, Servalan. You get three changeable outfits with it, mm -hmm. but but you could send off for another 36 of them with proof of purchase. <laughs> They're all white, like they are in the series, and it didn't matter what, what you threw at them. There was never a mark on them, nor a skid mark, nor a clart, <laughs> just, just like on the telly. Did it have the Just sort like of sparkly the insect across the front as well? <laughs> I, I don't know. If it had, that's that's come off in time because this is this is quite old. So not a now, mark. Then. And also, and also, if you if you just wait a second, if I press this button here, confirmed. There you go. Well, it's it's I never Zen did. the computer. Zen the computer, gentlemen. I may never leave the house again. I'm over the moon with this. That is magnificent. As you know, Blix have not my thing, but we'll bang a couple of yep. stormtroopers in there and I am playing with you. Indeed. There you go. And I'll tell you something. You I would like to know, Doctor, what Zen thinks of this. Confirmed. And uh, Mr Blackout, what have you got in your bag there? Well, I have got exactly what was on my list. It's the Arthur Clarke Mysterious World Viewmaster set. Oh, excellent. As you know, the, nice. um, the case had cracked nice. on the old Viewmaster, so I've got a new one. A couple of sets That's of slides. Right. They're all in That's 3D, right. obviously. It is fucking terrifying. I'm in it's love with it. It's a beige Viewmaster. It's not the red one. Precisely. So have you got the have you got the XL model then? The one that shows his blue slacks in in sharp relief. That's in more than fifty percent of the slides. Yes. Yeah. Mega respect. <laughs> that is a perfect Christmas present. It's amazing. I love it. And what's the scariest image out of all of the discs? The slacks. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> 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 e mind, I think they've mixed this port in with diesel. I have never drunk anything this strong in my life. I beg to differ, Bognops. Oh, well, um, you were there, you were there, but we'll burn all the negatives. You know that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right. Um, okay. Oh, we're all happy bunnies with our presence here, so that's great. Let's move on. Now, next up, our survey said that we were to revisit some old territory. So we've done just that. If the people in the actual episode can, then why not? The difference this time is the show's captain of the ship is on their third regeneration. Are these ingredients enough to see us into the new year with a smile? At this point, I don't really know.
Yes, the legendary Family Fortunes, produced by EarTV and ported in from its US forebear Family Feud. Two teams of five related contestants go head-to-head for cash and prizes. They read broad questions which have been posed to a survey of 100 people. Those guessing the most popular answers get that corresponding percentage in points, and there are chances for each family to leap in and steal when their opponents are getting it. <coughs> We've watched the episode from Friday the 28th of December 1990, the Hogmanay Special, in which host Les Dennis pits the Smiths and the Nisbets in New Year's Armageddon. Sorry, that name has an effect on me. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And first of all, here's these words that are fucking dread. And here's your host, Les Dennis. Les Dennis, looking about eight. And in two suits. <laughs> if you're going to wear a tartan jacket, have the full suit, man. I know what you mean. What's there that is a. About? I don't necessarily mind that it's a jacket and trousers, but there is a disparity between the tartan jacket and the black trousers. Something else was yeah. needed there, wasn't it? It's very odd, but you know. He, he literally it looks like he's picked somebody's jacket out of the audience and just mm-hmm. put it on before he's gone on the set. And the cameraman, nah. the cameraman doesn't really know what to focus on by this point. That's the problem. Now, now this went out at seven o'clock before Coronation Street. Now I know this is the twenty-eighth. It wasn't actual New Year's Eve. But they did this, then Cory, then the sitcom watching, and then a Father Dowling Investigates movie at half eight. This was they a Friday struggling. night. They were really struggling, evidently. Mind you, evidently. Over, on BBC, over on BBC One on the same night, they showed a mm. repeat of The Good Life from 1977, followed by the film Mannequin. <laughs> 1990 was shite. <laughs> You're not kidding. I think Good we must have gone Lord. to bed early that night. Good gracious <laughs> me. That was horrendous. That's horrendous, that. That's awful. The irony being that, awful. that 1991 New Year into 92 was the year where all the franchises changed. So that was the time when everybody went, oh, we're going to get some new programmes, and we didn't. <laughs> but anyway, we start this up. Rousing start to the show, mind, I will say. Rousing start. We, we we get the contestants. We do. Pipe, piped in. Yeah. They get piped in, which I have a feeling was dubbed. Um, <laughs> oh, for sure, because um, a slight disparity on the old ensemble front between the audience. Are they trying to clap along with the piper? Thank you. Thank or, you. And by the Thank way, you. the piper looks absolutely fucking delighted for his services. Doesn't he? <laughs> Take the check Go- and sod off. Going back to your comment about the audience, just listen to this. And over to our piper, Ian MacDonald, to bring in the Nisbet family! Oh! Lovely! They're all over the gaff. It's not hard, mind. Are you suggesting that piper Ian MacDonald should have his own sort of one-man band-style drum kit behind him so he can keep him in time? (laughs) No, but if you've ever stood in close proximity to a set of bagpipes, trust me, you'll hear the fucking beat. Well, no, I didn't want to clap. I wanted to run. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think somebody should have been stood at the front of the audience, and if anybody was clapping out of time, a hose <laughs> with pig shit, a hose with pig shit <laughs> would be fired at them to encourage them to clap in time. No, you see no what I would do? It should be a cattle prod. It's New Year's Eve, man. 
Is this All just right. so that you can see the audience mouthing through liquid pictures spread of their faces the words <laughs> Les Dennis's act? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> it's just no. Anyway, anyway. The, the first the first group we see are piped on are the Nisbets. <laughs> and <Sorry>. the, <laughs> it's just a reaction I have. I've, I've, it's, it's I've been fighting it. I've been in therapy for decades. You're on tablets for it. <laughs> oh, tablets? Now, now, these are all sisters with an age range of 112. It is. And I love them. Me too. We've got Wilma, Sandra. We have. Grace, Margaret, and Roberta. Roberta. Bert. Bert. Good old Bert. Yeah, good we old like Bert. Bert. Now, I don't want to speak out of turn, but yeah, Wilma introduces everyone here as her uh-huh. sister. That's correct. Yeah, now, quite worrying. She's not a teenager. Nope. But, you know, there's got to be an age range of, like, over 40 fucking years here. What's going on? That's what I, yeah, that, sure. that's what I mean. Sure, an sure. age range of 112. <laughs> it, I, it, that, it's... I thought maybe they were, like, nuns and sister was just an honorific term. <laughs> but this, is, this is called family fortune. Gentlemen, please, wouldn't you feel happy to know somebody called Wilma Nisbet? I'm thinking of changing my name to that. No, <laughs> I, for me, I'm go- I would like to change my name to Bert Nisbet because I think that would go down very well. <laughs> You know, that would just be just be the thing when I get my Academy Award. Yeah, for, fair for, play. for most fair drunken play. podcast. I'd like to thank Bert Nisbet. Sorry. And then we get to, mm. gentlemen, the Smiths. Oh, the now, Smiths. The now, Smiths. I think these guys would describe themselves as a bit of a lad. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. We've got Terry, we've got Michael, we've got mm, Jerry we? and Tommy and John. We've got Tom and Jerry in this family, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. That is. Fa- this is Michael's first ever excursion out of the house. Yes, I did wonder about that, but I bet you what they've told him is, mind you, you won't get on the telly unless you don't wear any pants. For any family, the Nisbets either. Nisbets! Sorry. Michael, Michael's having a great time here. Oh, aye. Now, the Nisbets, they're from Hamilton, which is basically mm-hmm. Glasgow, right? Yes, it is. Whereas the Smiths, they are from Uddingston, which is basically Glasgow. It's four miles away from Hamilton. What's yeah. going on there? <laughs> Do you recognise Uddingston? No. Doesn't ring a bell? Not at all. No. Why it should doesn't. I? Should when I? It, when we spoke... <sighs> nightmare. About Nightmare. Nightmare. Ah. The, the guys in the in the beige sweaters yes. came from Uddingston. That's correct. It worries yes. me I've retained that information. Is Uddingston... Is there some kind of game show talent pool there? It's entirely possible. I'm getting the impression that during the warm-up... Piper Ian McDonald came on and led the entire audience through a rousing chorus of tighter down. <laughs> it is a thing, though, where there's 11 people on that stage and Les Dennis is the only one wearing trousers. Correct. Les Dennis is the Correct. only one wearing trousers and is actually probably the most normal person there. Now, Wilma says that the Nisbets are playing for, and I, I'm quoting her directly here, Scottish homeless, but the caption on yeah. the screen says, single homeless in Scotland. Yeah. So, who, so who's fucked up there? Right. I am not suggesting that Wilma Nisbet is going to get a have a check made out to Wilma Nisbet, but I think we should keep an eye on it. <laughs> For £7.86. Uh, right. So I'll tell you what, I'm watching this, the first mm. question's on, and straight away I'm playing along at home. I'll, I'm just going to say yes. it, Family Fortunes is superb. Same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. is the most engaging because everybody, it's a game the family can play at home Absolutely. as well as the family stood behind the slightly curved desks in the studio. Superb format. I wish I'd thought of this. God, yes. 
mind you, it, this watching this costs me a lot of money. So I, I, I punched my coffee table uh, when I was <laughs> when when something that comes in <clears throat> tens decimals. Yep. The fuck? Yes, I got that. Michael, of course, of course, it's going to be you, stupid man. Ten soldiers. Ten soldiers and a suit of cards. Aye. Stupid, Indeed. stupid. Now, I do stupid. like how Terry says fags before he gets to commandments. That's nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> but what's more, the survey respondents answered that as well. Yes. Cigarettes know, right? is higher up than commandments, and you're like, it's a beautiful, candid snapshot of society right there. D- dis- despite those stupid answers from the Smiths, Wilma nails it with ten green bottles. She does. And to be fair, that is written on the back of a toilet door somewhere in Carnoustie. But, um, <laughs> Absolutely fine. She is... Totally stolen that for her non-existent she, charity. Yeah. My God. <laughs> yes, she has. Yes. And then the next round, oh, my God. Here we go. Now, what's going on here? This yes. Is, this is incredible. This is this incredible. Is, this is the this. comedic round, clearly. It is. Yeah. And it's it's. And I tell you what, they play this beautifully. Sandra's straight in. So the question is, signs that you might see in a nudist colony. Sandra's straight in. She nearly takes the buzzer off the table. <laughs> Lowering the tone. <laughs> and, and, of course, everybody, everybody thought the 80-year-old grannies, they're never going to... They're going to be like, oh, no clothes or something. No ball games. Fucking 13 people said that. That's the Genius. problem, yeah. That's the problem. The tone is lowered, and this is reflected by the answers being right. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. But yeah. why would... Why would signs at a nudist colony be especially different to signs at any other kind of holiday park? How would they be, like, sufficiently and obviously different enough to facilitate this being a question? I think that's, I think that's the point, though. I think that's the point, that they're kind of get, trying to throw you a curveball, thinking, oh, they probably would be different. In fact, they're not. But you know um, what does come the- in with round two, which is very important? The Smiths are just shite at this. Really, they are shite at this game. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. By the way, just... just, just when you get a chance, just spin back through this. Did you see the absolute definite edit? Just oh, after Sandra gives her answer. Uh, this time, Sandra gives her an answer and there's a definite cut. I bet, after that, when she was laughing, I bet her language was absolutely <laughs> disgusting. More than likely. The other thing is, I got the feeling that the Smiths, I was getting a distinct feeling of a certain word at this point. Volume! Mm. Because yeah. it was turning into this thing where... Clearly they've been told, right, you have to throw the game at this point because the women have to win because they're kindly souls and they're putting it towards Scottish homeless widows. So, you know, just 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 say stupid things that come into your head because that'll get you great publicity and it'll get you great prestige. Doesn't matter if you don't win. We'll give you the money for turning up. Next question. Games played at parties. A game played at parties. This should be a piece of fucking piss. Yeah, what should be? What? Let, let's have a look at Michael Smith's answer, shall we? Monopoly. Mm-hmm. Michael's a fucking <laughs> idiot, isn't he? <laughs> Who the fuck plays? I tell you what, Michael thinks. Michael thinks he's on stage at the local club. No, Michael mm. thinks he's on the X Factor. He's playing to up to that audience. He keeps looking at the audience all the time, yeah. and putting his thumbs up or lifting his kilt up or doing whatever. But the most important fact is, who plays Monopoly at a party, mind? Uh, well, quite. <laughs> but also, who the fuck Stupid plays to man. the audience when actually it's Les Dennis who has the answers on the questions and Mr Babbage... No, does Mr Babbage no, get name-checked in this? I don't think he does. I'm, I was disappointed in that now you mentioned it. In the monk house yeah. days, Oh, yeah, did. exactly. 
But I don't think, you know, they changed hosts, but I think Mr Babbage stayed on, but he's just like, I don't even get named anymore. So, yeah, Michael, Michael's a moron. Uh, our legal team said we could say that. Um, but Johnny, he gets one right, and he wins, and I quote, this supercomputer. And you know it's up to the minute, because it's got a three-and-a-half-inch drive rather than a five-and-a-quarter-inch one. Indeed. But, yeah, Johnny's won an actual computer. This puts bullseye to shame. It does. Yeah, it does. And excuse me, does. we talk about Monopoly played at parties. The grand old mm. Duke of York. Is that even a fucking game? Have they been on the cooking sherry yeah. at this point? No, no, no. Have they no, been no. on I'll what Black House drinking? Right. I, I remember playing that at primary school. Is it a game, though? What's the game, no. the grand old Duke of York? I mean, the song, yes, but the game? You kind of march and you go around like in a circle and stuff, and th- there's all that going on. You know, like the farmer wants a wife, that one. Oh, okay, it's, it's that's li- fair enough, yes. It's that was a when Julie Granger like punched me in the face. Happy days. Are you talking about the board game of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's West Side Story, the board game. All oh, right, okay. A game, a game played at parties. Right, the Nisbet. And again, I quote, lay the cushion down. Are the Nisbets right. on glue? <laughs> I know, right, I know they're I know they're cracking on a bit, right? But when was this period in social history where yes. they had parties and a commonly played game was put that over there? <laughs> Lay the cushion down. Lay the cushion Lay down. Lay the yes. fucking cushion put down. Put that over there. <laughs> I swear to God, they're trying to convince the ITV audience that Scotland is the third world. It's, it's incredible. I want to know what Bebo Bobbity is. I want to play this. I I'll want tell that you what, name. It's a, it's an actionable offence in fucking England. Um, name something with Scotch in the title. Scotch Corner. Stupid. Well, <laughs> you say Stupid. that. I like how Margaret says Scotch whiskey. Yeah, that comes uh-huh. up, and then yeah, it's Tommy that goes Scotch Corner. Nah. The thing that comes to me at this point is, this is clearly a Scottish themed edition, where mm. they've asked. English people questions. Well, it's like the Nisbet's going to answer Scotch salmon, <coughs> Scotch bun, <coughs> Scotch porridge. <coughs> My point. Now, the number one answer, bearing in mind that you, obviously, yeah, you can't assume that the survey respondents would have been Scotch. It's clearly going to be fucking Scotch egg, isn't it? I was screaming Scotch egg at the telly. But this is precisely what I mean about playing along at home. I had to go into another room. I smashed me dining room up with my own face while I was shouting Scotch Egg. Uh, move on to the next question. Cure for a hangover. I love and this. And Bert presses that button as if the response was worth eternal life. Yes. I love that they've asked two Scottish families, what's the cure for a hangover? And they're like, are you taking the piss, you English Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is this the round where they win a sun lounger for an old people's home? Oh, role? yes, it is. I yes. love I love that five lads valiantly steal the money from the homeless. Uh, yes. Like, to give to their drugs by just suggesting sleeping through a hangover. Yeah. That's yeah, all they true. do to win this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not doing much to allay the harmful stereotypes, but I do admire their lived-in experience there. <laughs> true, yes, true enough. Um, for a geriatric unit, they win garden furniture in the north. Yes. In the north. And not just that, it's two plastic chairs and a table. Yep. Yeah, indeed nah. it is. Yep. And they don't even... And I think, if I remember rightly, the parasol is actually net. It's not fabric. 
so it yep. just lets the snow through. Yes, yes. What the hell is going on with that prize? Do we think, does the team think that Mr, you know, Libation Dennis at this point, do we think that he's actually very early on in his hosting binge of this show, so he's quite nervous? Because now, I expected him to be funnier or at least a bit more relaxed, and I see him as tense in a, as a eunuch uh, in a harem. I see him as doing what he should be doing. He is he is on set with two families with a lot of personality. Yes. So he's yes. So he's so, so he's doing what he should be doing. Stepping he's, back. Sh- he's shutting his hole and stepping back, and he's letting them shine. Mm-hmm. But Monk, how did Monkhouse? Managed to do that with families with character, similar character, because and be in amongst. He was esteemed professional, and he could bounce off. Dennis hasn't got that. Dennis isn't a comedian. Dennis was an impressionist who had a sort of reasonably easy way, but it mm. fe- does feel like he's reading it off cards. And the one and yeah, only yeah, yeah. time he ever actually gets to react to something is in the big money round. Uh, that's the one and only time he actually leaps out of his shell, but jumps straight back in because he's mm-hmm. really—he is very straight about it and very nervous about it. It's yeah, almost is. like he's sort of the Michelle Lamborn Gambit style thing that he's actually willing the guys to win the money. Yeah, he's playing a game show host here. He's not playing Les Dennis. He's True. doing what he should be doing. He's read the remit and he's—he's he's sticking to it. Yeah. But he did become a lot more relaxed about it over the years. And he's confessed oh, God, yes. that. I've, I've, I've seen him say that. I think the other problem is that he absolutely races the fuck through this show at every turn. Now, while I love the fast pace it's got, I think it loses a lot because, again, he doesn't have the charm to carry that off. If this programme had been 45 minutes long instead of half an hour, I think it would have been a lot mm. more enjoyable. So, gentlemen, I'm going to put the question to you. How long do we think this is into the Les Dennis reign of Family Fortunes? I've given Blackout the answer. He'll read it out. He... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fantastic. He picked it up uh, circa 1987, so he's been doing it by three years at this point. Interesting, because it does feel very near to the start of the You know, he went on... For like about 10, 15 years after this point, for like ages, right. he was the main host. Um, but yeah, he's about three years in. He should be more relaxed. I've got a funny feeling it's because it's a New Year special, not a Christmas one. Interesting. And as I've said before, there's something about it that's uniquely Scottish. Did they shoot it in Glasgow Studios, given that the two families are Scottish and there's Pipers? I still can't help feeling that there's some sort of co-production money going there somehow. So at the end of that round... The charity yes. gets £1,265, yep. which yep. obviously, after administration costs, will be approximately the square root of fuck all. What do yes. we think that is in today's money? I had a feeling you would ask this. Yeah. I'd, I don't know. Uh, today's money, five grand. It rocks up at just under 3 k Okay. But is it really? Which okay. is, you know, right. it's kind of, it's fine. Let's not forget yeah. that in 1959... One of the top prizes on television was a thousand pounds, and a thousand pounds in 1959 is like fucking millions nowadays. Yeah, if yeah, it was a lot of money, a lot of money. Yeah, you're right. But we're nowhere near finished yet, because the Nisbets are on the big money now. <laughs> to be fair, these girls nail these answers. So, the questions for this round are: 
something you're trying to give up at New Year. If you if you want to play along at home, write these down. You can email us in your scores. That'll be fine. I haven't got the numbers, but yeah. Something you try and give up at New Year. Something found in a man's pocket. A city or town that has a famous tower. Something that comes out at night. And something you do when you're really happy. So, Grace Nisbet, she's first up. Something you try to give up at New Year. She says smoking. Binds. Boop. She's fucking good, isn't she? Yeah. She is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a logical a s- mind, I think. Before we get on to the others, he says in a minute when they're going through them that giving up smoking was the top answer. Why mm. doesn't the klaxon go off when that happens? Yeah, I know. It doesn't um, in this round, doesn't it? Is that right? No, surely they let him know because the, the other one's like behind the screen backstage. They can't hear whether they've got the top answer or not. It's a fucking vibraphone. I'm not coherent at this precise minute. Something found in a man's pocket. She says loose change. Decent. A city or town that has a famous tower. She goes for Paris. I'd have gone for Blackpool, but that's fine. Blackpool's the top answer. Yeah. Something that comes out at night. She says bats. Something you do when you're really happy. She goes for sing. And you're like, uh, you know what? I'll give you them, Grace, because you've been so yeah, good yeah. across the rest of it. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go through the answers with her. We get Sandra out. Something you try and give up at New Year. She says the drink. Okay, I mean, you, you give it up until about lunchtime on January the 1st, but yeah, that's fine. Something found in a man's pocket. Keys. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, I'll give you that. A city or town that has a famous tower. London. Okay, yep, cool. Something that comes out at night. The stars. Boom. Sandra is fucking on fire. Yeah, she is. Something you do when you're really happy, and Sandra says smile. And it's like, where where was this level of laser-guided accuracy when it was party games. What the fuck is going on? You almost didn't fucking make it here. What is going know, on? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has someone been right. feeding you these answers, or were they deliberately making you give shit answers earlier? I want to... I yeah. don't get this. But you know what? They get that. They're well over the line. They've won. Mm-hmm. And then it just finishes. Yeah. There's no yeah. reiteration of the charity no. or the work they carry out. There's no yeah. thanking of either family... Or, you know, thanking them for getting on the National Express across to the other part of Glasgow, or for like 18 hours if they filmed it in London, because you know damn well they were all booked on the same coach. Mm -hmm. They just cut out to the credits and fuck off at your lot. They cut to the fucking balloon drop with the audience toys. Bearing in mind how well they've done at the end, you're like, come on, let them enjoy this moment a bit more, surely. So, there we are. The family have won their fortune. Do we have a fortune of pegs to be able to place onto Babbage's screen, I wonder, Mr. Bognops. Well, it's feel-good television of the very best kind, in my humble opinion, but it's a bit soulless from Leisure Dennis, but the contestants made up for it, I think. Four out of nine. Harsh. Harsh for a Hogmanay, but Harsh fair but play, fair. fair play. Harsh but fair. Mr. Blackout. For all that there is wrong with this, I really did enjoy it. It's not often that you can say that you were the only person on a TV set wearing trousers. Les rightfully <laughs> hoists that crown up onto his head. This is great television, eight out of nine. Blimey, okay. I'm absolutely with you on an eight. This will send a shiver up your sporran. Okay. Uh, 
Dennis is on his relatively best behaviour here. The families are more jolly than annoying. There's bagpipes and they absolutely nail the tone of this evening. It's perfect for sitting at home and enjoying instead of fighting your way to the bar at a city centre pub on New Year's Eve or whenever it was put out. Sorry, when did I turn 80? Anyway, yeah, it. <laughs> Outstanding. But the question, in fact, the resolution that is on everyone's list this new year is how many steps, Dr Velvet, would it take you to yodel up the Hogmanay mountain? Unos, dos, tres, cuatro. Mm-hmm. Perfecto, perfecto. Family Fortunes has got Lester Dennis on it, and he was in the second episode of the self-titled 1993 programme belonging to Freddie Starr, who appeared in the 1977 film The Squeeze, next to Roy Marsden, who was in the pilot episode of The Liver Birds, opposite Hugh Walters, who starred in seven episodes of The Larkins, with Peggy Mount. Since he bought that yesterday, I'm breaking it in for her. Long journey, but the arrival point was excellent. Brilliant work. Very much worth it. I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. What about yourself, Blackout? I can do it in two. Family Fortunes has got Leslington Dennis on it, who won a 1974 episode of New Faces, where one of the judges was Clifford Davis, who was once on the panel of those wonderful TV times in the company of... Peggy Mount. And oh dear, she's forgotten her purse. And her pension book. Oh, and a letter marked private. Short and sweet. Can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. Mr. Ozzy Bognops, is it your resolution to join us upon the mountain? As you'll see, Ted Rogers style, I can do it in three. Because I can't do two and one. Family Fortunes has got Legion Dennis on it, who was one half of The Laughter Show, a 1984 episode of which featured Sue Pollard, who also cropped up in the Kenny Everett television show, alongside Alfred Marx, who starred in Virtual Murders, A Dream of Dracula with Peggy Mount. No, I'm not on sticks. I'm not 200 years old, you know. Superb. Beautiful. Superb. Got there in the end. Good gracious, it's marvellous. It really is. Before I head off to lounge in a hammock of Stilton, just after we see the new year in... Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thanks once again for your company this year, dear listener. You can look us up on Twitter, at Peggy Mount Pod, and we're the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour on Facebook. If you like, you can email PeggyMountPod at gmail.com to get in touch. Don't forget to go to PeggyMountPod.com, check out the show notes for this episode. If you're feeling particularly joyous, you can leave us a glowing review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Make that your resolution. Blackout, you've done the same as you did last year. You've timed that beautifully with the countdown to ring us in to the new year. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year! And there it is. Happy New Year! Happy New Year!
Happy New Year! And there we have it. So all that remains, dear listener, is to wish you a very happy, healthy and prosperous New Year from all of us here at the Peggy Bounce Calamity Hour. And remember, while we're taking a break, keep melting! Beautiful. Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from iCall Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments from television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. Fortunes has got Legion Dennis on it. No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I should cut to the fucking bingo. Two seconds, because the phone's gone on um, on the desk just next to the microphone, and I think it's our legal team. <laughs> <laughs> you invited me here. Fair play. It all Fair goes play. down the same hall. I'll take that out. Blackout. <laughs> Slack Nutcracker was uh, the nickname at Television Centre. Yeah. (laughs) We cannot put that in. (laughs) That's one for the Christmas tape. (laughs) 